0: Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Weekly Dispatch, covering the 12th through the 18th of August. I'm Sean, currently sitting here in the Lower East Side of New York City, Bobby and I just finished an awesome couple days up in New England for the Northeastern men's soccer preseason camp, where we had an opportunity to talk to the athletes about fitness, leadership, and nutrition before we headed back to New York and Philly. This week, we've got some interesting topics, especially in the economy. And I'm not too biased on that or anything because of my background, but everything is connected to the larger theme of the U.S. market holding up global commerce in lieu of uncertainty abroad. We also released a couple new podcasts up in New England. One of them is on self-identity in the military. Check it out. And the other one is a getting to know the guys behind the mic. And for those of you who are concerned about the hosts... Just be aware, none of us are gingers, so that should seriously alleviate any concern for factual reporting on our side. As always, our podcast is sponsored by Paragon Recovery. Use the code Cronus15 to get great deals on their products. Paragon Recovery keeps you in the fight through activating your recovery and sleep cycles, and check them out and contact them for even more savings if you're a member of the military community or one of the many law enforcement agencies. Today's podcast will focus internationally on Mount Everest, china afghanistan and russia the usual suspects and of course mount everest is definitely about dr strange and his sling ring so congrats if you figured that out in the last 10 seconds our us america's news this week will be a summary of the water crisis in newark do we see flint 2.0 occurring and how will the federal government respond to this also we're going to talk The bachelorette you heard that right the bachelorette the bachelor bachelor in paradise get used to it it's going to be a weekly segment Our economy topics for this week will be the sudden drop in the market and sudden signs of recession. Don't worry, it's still potentially months away. And anyway, during that time, you might get deployed and make mad skrilla anyway, so you won't be losing anything too 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 valuable in that case. Without any further ado, let's get after it. Alright, Mount Everest traffic, straight from Kathmandu. Reporting from the New York Times shows that the deadly human traffic jams on Mount Everest are being addressed by the Nepalese government. Nepali officials announced on Wednesday this week new safety rules to reduce the number of permits for climbing each year in order to limit rich, very inexperienced climbers. Under new rules, climbers would have to prove prior experiences and peaks scaled. Hiking companies would also be required to prove for three years their experience in organizing high-altitude expeditions before allowing climbers to the site. A Typical price tag per climber can surpass $50,000. And Everest sits at 29,029 feet above sea level and is a significant revenue source for Nepal. This last climbing season, uh, at some point during which uh, 11 climbers died, waited in a long queue on the steep ridges towards the summit. Um, so they're just seeing an increase in the number of inexperienced climbers trying to go to the top and then dying along the way. Climbers are allowed to set their own pace and stops and just this year alone, Nepal issued 381 permits for the months of April to May, which doesn't include the hundreds of Sherpas who do the actual labor. And on a side note. There are so many documentaries about these climbers going with a pack, which is like super cool. If you're going to climb a big peak or Everest, uh, that's cool. But if you have a team of three to 10 Sherpas carrying everything that you need to survive, it's like eliminating the, the point of the hike. Why even bother? It'd be like going to Ranger school and having your squad carry your weapon, your ammo, all of your gear, I guess. Oh, yeah, that does happen. And then those guys get dropped. But unlike Ranger School, these climbers get to continue and say they've climbed Everest. Uh, trash is another huge problem. It's building up because no one's hauling it down. It's considered the highest trash pile in the world. If you want more info on Everest and some of the developments out of the Himalayas, check out last week tonight from June 23rd for a really cool segment breaking down this topic even further just for people trying to get snaps for the Graham. All right, we promised the usual suspects, and now back to China. China and other countries receiving oil from Iran, no surprise, are still receiving oil from Iran, according to a report from Reuters. We announced a couple weeks ago how President Trump was angered that nations receiving oil from Iran passed the deadline and were still disobeying the U.S. sanctions. More news recently shows ships are actually changing their names, turning off transponder signals, and the ship tracking data to avoid our U.S. tracking. On July 18th, for instance, the transponder for the ship known as the VLCC Latin Venture was activated offshore Port Dixon in Malaysia, a strait uh, in the Strait of Malacca, which is 1,500 kilometers from where the Pacific Bravo had last been sing- signaling. Uh, what's weird about that is is both ships transmit the exact same unique ID number, IMO 9206035, which is issued by the International Maritime Organization. That's where the IMO comes from. The change in name and then turning the signals off appears to show the ship is attempting to elude U.S. tracking and evade Iranian oil sanctions. This ship is owned by Kunlun Holdings, which is out of Shanghai, with an office in Singapore. China's been really reluctant to buy U.S. oil with the sanctions and tariffs against Chinese goods. Remember that $300 billion worth of uh, imports the U.S. was targeting and have stated they won't purchase any until the U.S. ceases the actions. However... It's not going to look like China is deciding to hit U.S. crude oil sales uh, because it's not a key export for the U.S. and that Chinese-U.S. relationship. Earlier this month, China continued to trade with Iran for oil because it isn't illegal under international law to really buy or haul Iranian oil. It's just a result of U.S. sanctions. Our sanctions only permitted eight governments to trade with Iran through the 2nd of May. The only power the U.S. has to enforce those sanctions with China is punishing American companies doing business with those nations or those that are tied significantly in business to foreign oil markets. In May, well past the due date, China was importing 500,000 barrels of Iranian oil a day, but since have dropped to just 360,000 in recent months, according to KPLR and the New York Times. So we'll see what's going to happen more with this. Uh, Every week we have something new coming out of China because of the trade wars that are currently being fought over by the U.S. and that nation. In sad news, 63 were killed and 182 wounded in Kabul in Afghanistan during a wedding. Early reports indicate a massive suicide bomb, which is just Awful, especially at, you know, an event that's supposed to be so happy. The attack has also drawn skepticism from many Afghans who feel the negotiations in Qatar between the U.S. and Taliban will not stand once U.S. forces leave and the Taliban is enticed to increase violence and officially take back the country in a dramatic 23-year loop. We'll see how the negotiations go, but with troop drawbacks on the horizon, uh, anticipate increased violence against Afghan civilians on part of the Taliban. Uh, The next topic is on Russia, and this is something straight out of a James Bond movie, but seven Russians are dead after the test of a new type of nuclear-propelled cruise missile in the White Sea. Reports out of Russia say a small nuclear reactor exploded during the test, citing, quote, small-scale sources of energy with the use of fissile materials, end quote. The U.S. and NATO officials believe the test was for what is called the SSC-X-9, also known as Skyfall, that's the American name, or the 9M370 Mm Borefesnik by the Russian military. Clearly my language is Russian. A cruise missile that can reach any corner of the globe, according to Mr. Putin because it's nuclear power source. This is also a lot like the uh, missile from, what was it, the second GI Joe where they just dropped a giant kinetic energy device from space. But the missile is a threat to the US security because it can weave a very different and longer path than typical missiles, which our air defense relies on exiting from a high orbit around the globe. On top of that fear, There's the fear that an undersea weapon, which the Russians are developing, uh, can be used for long-range targeting. However, if we look at it, the use of nuclear material for fuel has been a concept since the 60s and would discharge some nuclear material in its flight or its underwater travel, which could help with tracking. However, it acts then more like a dirty bomb, leaving that nuclear material over thousands of miles in the air, water, or whatever other direction it takes. I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to burrow through the earth, too. But all this comes a month after the U.S. has withdrawn from the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Agreement, the INF, that we reported two weeks ago, citing Russian violations. So get ready for mutually assured destruction, which is my favorite acronym from 11th grade, coined by the great John Foster Dulles, who has forever been immortalized. And it is an airport outside of D.C. with a great toll road, uh, free to airport travelers, and the easiest way to fly in and out of D.C., the more you know. All right. As we transition into the U.S. news, the big news for the week is the Newark water crisis, which is reminiscent of scenes from Flint, Michigan. And the concern is continuing to grow for the residents of that Newark, New Jersey suburb, as currently 15,000 families are relying on bottled water for fear of lead levels rising in their water. As of Friday, a federal judge was reviewing whether the city is obligated to actually increase distribution of bottled water uh to more parts of the city the lead has made its way into the pipes through corrosion which is totally easy to understand when some of these pipes get ready for it are over a hundred years old that's crazy we we have a city like newark relying on pipes which are a hundred years old like where did the infrastructure funds go to We go back to 2017, citywide tests showed that more than 10% of homes had twice the amount of lead considered safe under the federal law, and then following 2017, so this is a several year incident, the city announced providing water filters at that time for 40,000 residents only after the second failed test in that same calendar year. At the same time, teachers in Newark's public schools sued the city for violations of the Safe Drinking Water Act, and the lawsuit is still pending. A real quick background into lawsuits and why it takes so long so the first step uh, for individuals um, like the teachers is filing a complaint note as a pleading essentially showing the claim that the pleader these teachers are entitled to relief in this case safe water and the demand for relief which has to be something tangible or a performance like clean up the water make the water safe to drink replace the damn pipes then there's a notice and summons which is issued where a clerk for the court can provide documentation to uh, the you know, tentative defense or by a federal marshal. And after this, Newark, the city, could ignore the summons or request for Rule 12 and assert that the claim fails to have a relief or perform- performance measures which can actually be granted or conducted. Um, This can lead to a motion to dismiss in which the judge may look at it and claim and go, yeah, a reasonable person says that there's no way that this can actually be completed. However, if the judge believes that a case exists and the city provides an answer highlighting their facts but not arguing the allegations, each side gets an opportunity for discovery. So this is why it's taken a couple years up to this point to actually get to court. Uh, where they test the water, review expert opinions, and then from there they can request a summary judgment in, in the federal rules of civil procedures. So the court grants the summary if there's no genuine dispute over the material facts, and the defense is entitled to a judgment. After all of this, then it finally might get to a trial in court, and then that's obviously why it's taken so long. But circumventing all of this, we go back to Newark, They failed a test back in 2018, and then the mayor asked for federal support. Finally, after no response, the city just failed its last test in June of this year, finding that even more homes using the filters, this is using the filters too, had lead levels which were still elevated. Uh, Now the governor is asking for federal support. Newark is beginning a lead pipe replacement program. But the issue is becoming one of fundamental rights. You know, everyone should have access to clean drinking water, and questioning whether the state and city mismanaged the situation to begin with, and whether the federal government now has an obligation to fix the issue. Senator Cory Booker is really on this issue. It's a hot take for him because he's from that state. So we'll see how this comes up in the next couple of weeks with debates and uh, election cycle news. You asked for it, I think, but if you didn't, congratulations, here you go. We're going to give you an exclusive update on the Hannah B. Post-Bachelorette update. Following having her heart broken by Jed, the Nashville country singer, dog, jingle maker... On this season of The Bachelorette, um, they are no longer engaged, and Hannah Brown has admitted she's struggling, which is totally understandable. For, for those of you that don't fix yourself to ABC's The Bachelor, Bachelorette on, on you know Monday, Tuesday night, and then following Bachelor in Paradise seasons, uh, the little background on Hannah B., she was a contestant on Colton's season of The Bachelor, where she had beef with Kaelin, who was another pageant queen. Both Hannah B. and Kaelin are from the pageant circuit, but not the uh, fun pageant circuit like RuPaul's Drag Race, the boring one where these women can't give really good answers that aren't scripted. Anywho, Hannah B. was really bad at giving toasts, and eventually she was kicked off of Colton's season, but for some reason, the hosts considered her a good, viable candidate, to be the new Bachelorette. She was on the show, the season was pretty fun, there were some characters. Uh, Long story short, she ended up choosing the guy that no one wanted, everyone wanted Tyler C. And if you haven't caught on yet, Everyone that's on the show usually has a name and then their last initials because there's typically more than one Tyler or more than one Hannah. For instance, Hannah B was the second Hannah on her show. There was a Hannah G who's actually on Bachelor in Paradise. Anywho, Hannah B gets through all of this and at the end picks Jed who came onto the show with a girlfriend knowing that... There was a likelihood he wouldn't get picked, but he would rise to stardom on Instagram and Facebook and whatever other social media apps that cool kids are on nowadays. Uh, But he ended up winning the show only, you know, like three or four weeks after telling his current girlfriend that he loved her and said that he had broken up with her in his heart, but hadn't told Hannah that. Anyway, Hannah's now single, and a lot of her show's contestants are on The Bachelor in Paradise, which airs Monday and Tuesdays on ABC, and we'll continue to follow that breaking news. And then finally, on the same subject of stuff you probably don't care about, Jeffrey Epstein, the pedophile, committed suicide, and this is going to wrap up our America segment. All right, on to news about the economy. Money, stocks, bonds, trade, push, hold. A new recession may just be around the corner according to what is called the yield curve. But what is the yield curve, and how did we get here? Uh, Was this predicted through that federal rate slashing a couple weeks ago? We've been talking about it for weeks now. We had that special report, first with the Federal Reserve preparing for a stalling in the economy because of foreign factors. Then we talked about those foreign factors, and now we've got more. Looking to bring it all together, this is the bread outside of peanut butter and jelly. Every recession, by the way, per the Washington Post since 1955, uh, the yield curve has been inverted before and proved the ensuing economic downturn, which is the current situation. This week, the Dow plunged more than 800 points as a response to this news. And like we said last week, we talked about how when prices drop on bonds, the yield goes up and then conversely the effect when a price goes up. In this case those bonds we talked about have varying lengths and an inverted yield curve occurs when the short-term bonds have higher rates than long-term bonds which shows individuals are concerned for near-term markets so much that they're looking to invest long-term. When so many people shift in investing to longer-term bonds that demand curve shifts right along the x-axis for quantity if you imagine a supply and demand curve. We see an increase in the price for that bond, and then the reduction in the yield. Typically, investors want returns on long-term bonds to be significantly higher because that money has to be locked up for a longer period, compensating for the risk to the investor. But now, individuals feel the security in long-term weighs more than the short-term rides of a market. And with money locked up in long-term investments, it reduces the circulation of currency and thus the speed of money because of the transactions being reduced across different markets, um, especially in the securities market that we highlighted. However, the economy has been performing really, really well. Uh, A good economy, good economy, good boy, who who wants a bone? And, And investors probably see the Federal Reserve's action as a way to increase some inflation and thus aren't worried. But this pattern since 1955 would point to a recession in the next 18 months, so stand by for more news on that. Uh, We seldom cover sports because recently the Eagles haven't been playing that much and the Phillies are only on a win streak of four, but Bryce Harper boy for 330 million uh he went one for four but that one was a grand slam walk off against the cubs and as of last night they're only a half game back but if you know bryce harper the next time you watch him get ready he gets up to the plate he goes watch the first pitch and then swing 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 chase he's got like the most strikeouts in the entire league so thanks because now the phillies have ryan howard 2.0 Hey, guys, that's going to do it for this week of the Weekly Dispatch. We'll be back next Sunday for more. Also, check out Brain, Body, Bobby for all things health and nutrition. Check us out online at www.cronisfit.org or email us at hqatcronisfit.org for all questions about the podcast, programming, and opportunities within Cronisfit. Thanks, guys.